Just a trigger warning before we start this podcast, this podcast has mentions of racial, physical and mental abuse. If these are triggering for you in any sort of way, please, please do not listen and go to another one of my episodes. Hi guys and welcome to Tater's Life. Today I'm joined by a friend of mine, Oscar. We met a band and he was adopted and I thought it would be a really, really good idea to do a collab and we could both chat about our experiences. So without further ado, let's welcome Oscar to the show. Hello Oscar and welcome to the Tater's Life podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for being here. And I'm super duper excited to be doing this episode with you today. Honestly, when we first met and you told me that you were adopted and we chatted a bit about it, I was like, we're going to have to do a podcast. Um, so thank you so, so much. I would be interested in sort of briefly learning a bit about your adoption story. What was the case? Like, how old are you? What have you? I was six months old when I was adopted. I was put in a, um, in a baby's home, uh, especially for children like me who are looking to be adopted or put into another family. And um, my parents parents flew over from Britain and came to collect me and uh, they had a lovely time in Thailand as well but I assume I was the best part. (laughs) Oh bless you definitely were definitely were so you were born in Thailand then? Yes yes I knew deep down that my biological mum she uh she wanted me to have a really good life and for some reason uh, she she couldn't look after me and um I just want to thank her for giving me the life that she's given me at the minute and on behalf of my mum, my current mum as well, current mum, permanent mum, sorry about that, uh, she would, she's thanking her as well. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, like I'm one of those people, I think growing up in foster care, I sort of like understand a little bit so I can relate to the things that you're saying and often blood relatives, you know, they don't step up to the plate, do you know what I mean? So... To me, water can be so much thicker than blood and there's no shame in saying that. And I'm so happy that you're in like a really, really positive and happy home now. Like that is absolutely beautiful and it's what you deserve. It really, really is. so much to me. (laughs) I would like to ask about what was your school like? Did you feel like you had to let people know that you were adopted? Because I know like in my experiences growing up in foster care, we had lots of meetings all the time with school, with social services and what have you. So it couldn't be kept a secret. Not that I wanted it to be kept a secret because there's nothing to be ashamed of, but it's something that you couldn't really disguise. So were you open about being adopted when you were in school? I was absolutely because because um, during primary school, I had a lot of birthday parties. I went to a lot of birthday parties and most of my birthday parties were at my house. And uh, the children started to realise that my mum and dad wasn't the same skin colour as me. They, they did question me on it and I was happy to answer. It was such a young age and, and I knew all about it. So I was happy to answer. And I said, well, I'm adopted, which means you come from one place, but you're put in another home, but permanently, properly loved. Yeah. And no matter who you came out of, 
it matters what that family is like. So with my mum, uh, just because it doesn't come out of her, she still gives off every single mother quality that there is. And that's, that's what it means to be a mum. You don't have to come out with someone. That's what people these days misunderstand. Because even today, my peers ask me, oh, what about your real mum? And I say, well, she is my real mum because she has all every single mother qualities. But even my biological mum, I don't, I, I've got no information on that for you, I'm sorry. And at the end of the day, it's my business. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, people who have that sort of mindset, they can go do one because it it literally boils my blood to think that people still have that mindset, especially in this day and age. Like, we all should be educated on the fact that people are constantly living a life that they might not be. Do you know what I mean? So everybody has different life experiences. And yeah, like I said before, I'm so, so happy you're in a loving home. And I'm so sorry that people still speak to you like that and think that it's right to as well. I remember growing up in foster care and school and stuff, and people would say very, very similar things, asking about my real mum and stuff. She wasn't in the picture at the time. And I'm just like, but what's it matter to you? So when people ask me about it, I don't think they meant it in a they don't think they meant any harm by it because they seem genuinely interested and I'm happy to answer that but if they're being like twats about it then I wouldn't I wouldn't answer yeah definitely because yeah. it gives them another advantage to be annoying yeah I, I think with people like that it's it's just who they are and there's nothing that they can learn or be educated on they're just not very nice people I'm actually going to quickly mention as well to our listeners so The main difference between foster care and adoption is adoption is long-term and social services are not involved once the child has moved into the home. That is kind of it. But in foster care, you just have regular meetings all the time because you're under their guardianship, I guess. So social services were my guardians. So signing forms for school or what have you. I'd have to send them off to social services to be sent, which was a fucking nightmare. But <laughs> not going to get into that. That's the difference. So if anybody like didn't know about that, did you face any sort of stereo- stereotype through being adopted? Like, did people ever say anything horrible to you or anything just because they knew? Well, through um, secondary school, it started. So I had this one child. He was not very nice. He was he um he had his own problems, and he said to me, uh, "No one, no one ever loved you. Your your family gave you up for a reason. No one loves you. You're adopted, and all that a lot." And people use my adoption as an insult to me, which at the end of the day, it's not an insult. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of. You're just stating facts. So. And I'm not being funny as well with with both adoption and foster care it's not your fault do you know what i mean you just happen to be caught in the middle do you know what i mean and this, it can either be positive or negative but it's it's not your fault like in my instance i'm really open about being in foster care my parents just weren't stable enough to look after me and that was that so i went into foster care and i didn't even know what foster care was when i went into foster care and it was the same with you like you would have been so young you wouldn't have really known what's happening and the fact that people just use it against people is so wrong and... you have to insult me don't go for the things that you know were hurt i mean I know, I know that's the point of insulting but like say something other than something really personal and sensitive to that because it, it's not going to get you anywhere it's just going to make that person more pissed off at you and it's just going to make you look like a fool absolutely and again 
just totally out of your control and I'm interested to know so do you know you said you were um you were really open from a young age about being adopted then how did you come to learn that you were adopted like did your mum tell you from like such a young age that it was just second nature like you just knew I think I've always known I can't remember if I was really young see so I can't remember the exact point she told me but I think I knew it all the way I mean I knew that I was brown skinned, I knew that she was white skinned. I, I, I think I just knew it for all the way, to be honest. I think it's good that you've known like all the way because you know, you hear stories about people waiting until they're 18 to tell their children that they're adopted or whatever. And I'm like, that is so I bad. Know. That is silly because that child has a right to know as soon as they, as soon as they can stand because like, it's it's always their right to know because like why would you tell someone when they're eighteen? Literally, it's the, it's like a part of their identity. It's a huge sort of thing that you know people may be hiding, and that's so bad. And like I know I'm chatting a little bit about my foster care sort of experience, but I remember when I was fourteen, I learned about my mum and my dad for the first time. Like I knew of them and stuff, but I didn't know why I went into foster care and all of this. And it was literally because I kept asking questions because I was interested, but they didn't want to tell me until I was old enough. And I was like, but if you told me when I was younger, it might have been. Yeah, yeah, it might have been easier for me to understand. But yeah, I don't I just don't know why people just don't say from a young age. And I was gonna ask actually, do you know any other people that have been adopted in like your local area that you're able to chat to your experiences with? Well, I know someone in my year who's adopted, but I don't really speak to that person. I can always speak to my mum. Yeah. Because she knows all the ins and outs of it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know me now as well. I mean, I wasn't adopted, but I was definitely in foster care. So I can relate to some sort of extent. And when you were mentioning about that, person in school who didn't treat you very nicely and was saying horrible words to you or what have you. I wanted to say an experience of mine at school as well. Is that, oh, they all seem to be at school, like, like what's all that about? But um, we were doing family trees in Welsh class and yes. a teacher literally in front of the, the entire class, maybe some people didn't know I was in foster care, but the teacher said oh we're gonna do our family trees what have you and then said in front of everybody standing in front of the class taylor i'll come to you in a minute i, I just... absolutely disgusting that just has no right to say that it's just <laughs> like... so bad it's just making people feel like they stick out like a sore thumb when it's just absolutely not necessary like she could have came to you privately yeah well my sort of plan was actually to just to my foster family because they're, they're my family like at the time so we'll do that and like I had that in my mind I was like this is what we're gonna do and then no 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 they said that to me and I was like I, I just don't I don't even remember what I felt I just so did you get fired after no that? still got the job actually yeah I did I didn't know like who to bring it up to like I it's just like one of those things but like when you've been faced with stuff like that like all your life it's kind of like all you really know do you know what i mean which is like the sad truth about things and the fact that people you know try try and insult us i think that's one word i'm going to say try it's sometimes not embarrassing for us it's more embarrassing for them for the fact that they, they, you, 
Yeah, well, they just try to use it against us or what have you. I was just hoping that you could maybe give me some advice for maybe somebody else who was going through a similar situation to you that was going up, you know, through adoption and maybe they were struggling with their identity or anything like that. Well, to anyone who is going to, is going through hate or abuse through just because they're adopted, I'd say ignore them. I know that sounds really like stupid. I know that's like a really stupid answer, but like at the end of the day, they're the petty ones. They're the ones who's going to get themselves in trouble because later on in life, they're going to find that saying that it's wrong and they will soon regret it. I know that sounds really furyful, but like it just annoys me because people are so ignorant and the lack of their understanding and thinking they're clever by bringing that up just pisses me off. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think one of those things, like maybe we should learn about it in school, but if you're a person that's going to do that, maybe education isn't going to stop them. Do you know what I mean? So I, I really do wish in secondary school that you are taught about, I don't know, foster care adoption, how it might affect mental health and stuff. Because for me, and I don't know, if you maybe felt the same. I, I I think maybe you wouldn't have felt this because you were in a loving home. For a long time, I wasn't. I just felt that sort of rejection, like just deep in the pit of my stomach, just constantly waited to be like passed back or, you know, rejected again. And I, I don't know if it's different for adoption. Did you just feel like completely loved from day one? For my mother, yes. And um, for my dad's side, Honestly, not. I will get to that later. But um, my mum has always made me feel loved. She's she's the reason that I am I am the confident person that I am today. Yeah. Like she has been on my side since the start of time, and um, she will always be, and I'll always be on her side. Like we've got each other. Although I did not feel as loved as much from my dad. That's quite upsetting. The fact that like you didn't feel that love from like a paternal well a male figure in your life but it's so nice that you do have your mother and it's absolutely beautiful that she's there and like I have you on Facebook and I see all the posts she posts about you she loves you to pieces and it's like so evident everybody can see that and it's just absolutely beautiful and yeah it makes my heart melt a little bit at the thought of that that fact you know what I mean and um I know how confident you are and I remember meeting you for the first time and you're radiating this sort of energy and it's really really like magnetic like when I'm in your sort of presence I'm like hell yeah I'm cool do you know what (laughs) I mean I just love it because you just do you and everybody should just do themselves you know what I mean it's just really really nice it's this thing because at my school people aren't really my biggest fan I'd say and um not a lot of people like me because of for me being me like I have some girls at my school saying oh you're you're just choosing this life you're doing all this for attention you're being gay is a choice and that lock and at the end of the day it just annoys me just absolutely do not listen to them and you know we've said in this podcast before it makes them look more in the grand scheme of things it does and the fact that like you can't train change your sexuality you can't change your skin color and you can absolutely not change your past so these are things that are just totally out of your control it's who you are and it's you know absolutely beautiful that you're embracing who you are if these people want to be like this let them 
because school is for a short period of your life in the grand scheme of things it's a very very small portion of your life and I finished school when I was 18 and then I went to university and when I went to university I found my people and it 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 will happen for you it's just school is such like a small sort of community of people that everything does seem to get out of proportion so quickly and if one person knows the entire fucking school knows so it's unfortunately school is a really really hard time for a lot of people and it sounds like you are not having the best time terrible for me because it's a shame because at such a young age like half your through primary younger than that i went up to my mum and said mum how do i become your skin color because i was so fed up of yeah. being my own skin color because i I've had enough of the racism because my first okay um i'm gonna tell you a story now people listen but oh he's gonna waffle on now so my first week of year seven well at least first month of year seven so secondary school experience right i was getting really excited for it all and this year 11 kid came up to me i was with my my mates at this time he came up to me and said oi you packy and i was like excuse me i said and then i was i was year seven so i wasn't really that educated so then my friends told me to go report out. I was like, why? What does this word mean? What does Paki mean, right? So then I spoke to the teacher about it. And I later, later in life, I learned that it's a really offensive way to call Pakistani people. Yeah. And the, te- the, the words the teacher said to me were just how so ignorant that person was. Because A, um, they were lacking in their geography because I'm clearly not from Pakistan. And B, why why is that person filled with so much hatred like what have i actually done if i think for some like some people it's not even a you thing like it it's not a you thing it's just they have this in them and you know you see it with like a lot of football matches or what have you do you know what i mean like if the team did awful and there was um a non-white person playing they're the ones that that are targeted for like losing do you know what i mean you you saw it with marcus rash marcus rashford i think that's his name um doing the penalty for i believe it was the world cup but i'm not entirely sure and he faced a huge amount of racism following that but he didn't lose the game the team lost the game but like but he was just attacked for it and unfortunately a lot of people have that sort of mindset and it's awful and i can't i can't relate to these people because to me you're exactly the same as me do you know what i mean like exactly i just want to see myself as normal to everyone else i mean that's the wrong word isn't it normal because everyone has their own interpretation of normal like i had a girl come up to me and say oh just be normal why can't you just like girls i'm like because it's not me do you think i okay if i if i chose to be who i am like for example gay do you think i chose all the homophobia chose all the hate chose all chose the loneliness and no i i just want to live a normal life as as everyone else does and i'm fed up of trying to be be in the crowd i want to stand out from the crowd and that this is me as a person i'm fed up of being like everyone else like I like being different and if no one likes that they can go take a hike because maybe they're I don't know it just annoys me 
Yeah, definitely. And I'm telling you now, when you get to about 18 and you leave school, these people will be out of your lives for good. You don't have to speak to them ever again if you don't want to. It's just unfortunately school is such a small place that everything seems to be huge in school. Do you know what I mean? It's like they said I'd never be successful or anything because with my mum now, she told me in the Tesco car park, she said, I had, I got lot, I, I was bullied lots in school and this one kid was not very nice to me. And then I saw the same person the other day who had me on Facebook and they're like, oh, how are you in that lot? And I was like, and she was like, she ignored them because they could see how successful her life was and how successful theirs wasn't. Yeah. And they were, they wanted to like be mates with her. And uh, she was like, no, because you made my life, my, you made my high school life hell. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like that was fueled through jealousy. And it's yeah. weird because I feel like a lot of people do that. And I'm going to give you an example. So there's a person um, so I have an Instagram called Tater's Life, give it a follow. And <laughs> I was going through my Instagram story and I was like, who, what, why has this person like looked at my story? And it's somebody from like my past that like, I don't know why they would purposely go out their way to like search for me, but it might be out of jealousy. It might just be out of curiosity. But there's absolutely no need for it, you know what I mean? So yeah, a lot of people are like that, unfortunately. And I know earlier you mentioned about, and you don't have to chat about it if you don't want to, about um your father figure and how he wasn't very nice to you. What was the situation? Is he out of the picture now? Well, we hope so. So what started was, he's always been a really aggressive man. And uh, he never drank, he didn't do drugs, He none of that. He just had anger, like he had some problems. Yeah. And uh, he always refused to take anger management classes. And um, every time I did a wrongdoing when I was little, for example, spill my drink on the table or trip over something in his presence, he'd get really angry and start using, he'd shout at me first and he'd use profanities and then he'd uh, physically hurt me and when I told my mum about this he always lied and said oh I just gave him a clip on the ear it's not that bad I'm like hello are you serious like I was really young so I told my primary school about it they they tried so hard but my dad was my, my dad has a superpower he's very manipulative and he neglected the school and he said that I was lying I was only a young child who didn't understand discipline in that lot and that really made me angry so through year seven he kept doing it, but I didn't say anything. But this one morning before school, he got really angry with me and he started, he refrained me from trying to get out the front door to try and cry for help. Like, I was so scared. Like, I was so scared. What's he going to do if I call the police? Is this the right thing to do? So I called my mum. She eventually took me away. So going, sorry, going back to the school day, um, I ran out the back garden. I can't remember it, but I think I screamed all my lungs, someone help me. It was, it was, it was awful. So then I climbed up the back gate and started running. He saw me, he didn't, he tried, didn't try to chase me or anything. So then I went up to my mum's street, I hid behind a fucking bin. So in case he drove past, he wouldn't see me. And thank God my mum drove past and she, she saw me hide behind a bin, picked me up and I told her everything that happened. And during that school day, I happened to have a meeting with the counsellor about something so i told the counselor about it knowing my dad wasn't gonna like it and she took it into her own hands and actually got right this is not right this child is going through abuse 
and um yeah i'm and, so, i'm so sorry to hear um, this it's and... called life, but it's not though because i shouldn't be going through this no i i just want to like reach and give you a cut because no um, child should go through that and like you know he was saying oh i give you a clip around the head i'm not being funny that's still abuse that is still abuse do you know what i mean and yeah. i'm i'm really hoping that he does eventually get fully out of the picture because child abuse is something that a lot of young people go through that they're, they're victims and there's nothing you nothing that you can do and like you must have been so scared so the fact that you even like pegged it out of that door i can't imagine the bravery so i'm a survivor too and i just remember just always being scared were you i don't know like if this is like too much of a personal question but like through childhood and stuff i just constantly felt scared there was like a constant like sort of cloud hovering over do you know what i mean yeah so i felt scared as well because the weeks so my mum and dad split up uh, when i was two and uh, the weeks were shared between us so half week i'll be with my mum half week i'll be with my dad and it was every sunday afternoon my mum dropped off my, off my dad and this one time i got so scared i didn't want to go i begged and screamed for to, to like not go to my dad's so then i went back to my mum's um because my mum knows what he's like and she knows what he's capable of yeah and um one thing that she regrets to this very day is let is leaving me there and i said mum it's not your fault please do not blame yourself for this like it's not your mum's fault it's not your fault we know whose fault it was and um it's really really upsetting that you had to go through that but you're such a strong person for getting through it and like I, I, I suffer with PTSD still and it takes so much mind power to like move on and I'm, I don't know if you've, you'll ever be able to move on because I know that I don't think I'll ever be able to move on because it's such a huge part of your life, a time where you're learning, developing and it's damaging. It is, it, yeah, because for the past been nearly four years now, four and a bit years, I have been called out of school, I've been called out of all this lot to speak to solicitors and it's it's just been a pain it's, it was a pain in my ass to be honest like look th this guy hit me this guy abused me at the end of the day it, it's a criminal offense really that you perform this act of domestic abuse and you should be prosecuted for it like i said to the lady like my dad abused me why is that so hard to understand can you just arrest this man and end it all yeah. and i got so frustrated and like my mum said it's because he's really manipulative. There was no evidence because there was no like bruises on me or anything. Yeah, no, you said that and it's literally the same experience that I went through. So I got out of my abusive home when I was 12, went to the police and everything like that. No evidence, so there was nothing that they could do. But I'm like, but why would a child make this now, why would I lie about that? It's like, no child has that like in their mind to be like, I have the best idea, we're just going <laughs> to bullshit about this. Nobody thinks like that. Nobody, at least I hope nobody does anyway. And like you mentioned earlier how, was it the school or your dad who said, um, oh, he's making it up? It was your dad, wasn't it? My dad, he's, he said to the school, he's making it up, he doesn't know discipline. See, like, that you have made that up. Like, kids don't make that shit up. And I remember, so I moved foster homes for summer. So I was doing respite. So it was just for like a short period of time. And 
I didn't realise what I was going through was abuse. I didn't know it was wrong because I didn't know any different because it was all I was ever used to. So I said something to my foster parent and she literally was like, right, that is not normal. And then it came out organically from that. But like schools, we need to be educated on what's right or what's wrong because parents are getting away with this shit and it's literally mental and you know it's it's damaging for life like it really really is it's really not fair because the school curriculum and it is a bit shit like they're saying stuff about oh you're not allowed your coats in in lessons you're not allowed this that like at the end of the day you should you should be teaching the children about what's on in the what's going on in the real world for example what what we've been through domestic abuse discrimination that lot like i know you're doing it but you're doing the bare minimum yeah and, and i think it's complete bollocks like these mental health days great they're great but like we, this should be every week not not one one day per year do you know what i mean what what is a mental health day well they have these days like anti-bullying week or anti-racism day and stuff like that oh we just want to celebrate today as anti-bullying like, oh i see yeah yeah there, there, there could be there's posters all around the school saying how celebrities are part of the LGBT community, for example, I don't know who is, um, uh, like as opposed to saying, oh, this person's bisexual and he did it. And I'm like, what's that actually going to do? Yeah, what, what's that going to solve? Do you know what I mean? It's like we need to have like psychology lessons in a curriculum to make sure that people understand these sorts of things. This is one really good example that schools do. Yes, uh, schools do, for example, go into the toilet during lessons. I, Fair enough that students should go during breaks, but like a couple of students can't control this. Like they have like issues and stuff like that. And I know one teacher, not from my school, but from like a school in the UK said, going to the toilet is a privilege, not a right. And I thought that was absolutely disgusting. That's so bad. So Oscar, you mentioned earlier about counselling and stuff and on a personal note, and I've mentioned this in my podcasts before, so when I had a counselling when I was slightly younger, I didn't feel ready to be counselled if that makes sense, it's only now that I'm older and more in touch with my feelings and emotions and stuff, I'm like, oh maybe I could do some counselling and some therapy and stuff. So what was your experience with counselling? So as I said, I, I was being counselled by, so by the school, uh, by a lady before I told the school about my issues with my dad and I, I forgot what it was about to be honest it's been a long time I think it was like mental health checkups or something like that but after all of, during during the procedures with my with court and my dad I had I had counselling by some ladies to see if I'm alright and I said no I'm not alright think about what I've been through they said the usual oh I can't imagine what you're going through right now all that malarkey and like I shouldn't say that's rude I shouldn't say that because they're doing their jobs but like at the end of the day I was going through a really shit time yeah definitely and I, th I think sometimes people just offer that sort of line being like I must be awful what you're going through and it, it is awful what you're going through but you know they can't do too much to help it do you know what I mean yeah, and... they're doing their jobs and I do think they genuinely care it's just that when you're going through that moment it's just not really appropriate for your brain to be honest no, it can be really hard to answer those questions when you're in that sort of mindset. Like, it really, really is. And, you know, even now, if I'm, like, upset about something, about, like, my past and things, somebody asks if I'm okay, I'm like, do I look okay? <laughs> I, I think, do I look okay to you? But they're, like, asking that question just out of being, like, maybe a nice person or just wanting to start a conversation, maybe move it on a little bit or whatever. But, yeah. I don't think trying to do any harm. 
but I was in a very vulnerable stage. Yeah, so. definitely. Do you, do, you, do you feel like a lot more stronger and stuff, like emotionally now that you've come out of that sort of situation? Yeah, and I just want people to be aware of my story, to be honest, just so it can be, just so awareness could be spread that going through domestic abuse is not normal, like, or, or any hatred, whether you're adopted, whether you're part of the LGBTQI plus community, whether you're, you think you stand out to everyone else, like, no one deserves to go through hate and it is not normal to be bullied for this. It's not normal to be bullied at all. It's not normal to go through domestic abuse. So if you are going, listeners now, <laughs> if you are going through what me and Tay have been through, just please do not keep it to yourself. You are, you're not alone, trust me. I was too scared to open up about it, knowing the potential consequences of the perpetrator could do. But trust me, it will get better once you, you've spoken about it because one thing I do not regret doing is telling that school counsellor what my dad did. Yeah, honestly, and you know, children should be ready to speak about stuff like that. Like, feel like they have a comfortable place in school like a safe place in school to be able to chat about it and i'm so proud of you for being able to tell that counselor because well, that conversation could have saved like a lifetime of hurt and pain so i'm so freaking proud of you and like spreading this sort of awareness is absolutely essential no young person child any like anybody facing abuse so be it in a marriage or what have you like it's it's absolutely not normal and should not be normalized and if you are going through it there are helplines out there and everything like that and when you're in it and both oscar and i can like ag agree with this and vouch for this yeah, yeah. It's so hard to get out so like just I, I don't even know what advice i can give i think other than reach out if you can that's that's the yeah. only way I really hope that our stories could help save others. Like what you just said was really beautiful right there. And I, as I just said now, I really hope that our stories can save a child or a child, anyone going through domestic abuse. Absolutely. And, you know, thank you so much for being on this podcast and opening up thank about you, your experience. Thank you for inviting me. I felt honoured. Oh, thank you. You know, it's just absolutely amazing that you've shared your story, both your adoption story and your child abuse story, because things like this need to be chatted about. And, you know, I really, really do appreciate you coming on here and spreading awareness spreading the oscar love around it's okay because me knowing you i was just like someone who knows it someone i can speak to about it. definitely it's and i was like powerful so glad i met you because like before i knew anything about you your smile just filled up filled up the rehearsal space and i was like I'm gonna get a row with this person. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I remember you like approaching me, and I was like, nobody else has said hi to me here yet. But thank you so much for welcoming me, and honestly, I really, no really effort. appreciated it. And like, honestly, I love how when we were in band and stuff. So if you don't know, I play clarinet, and Oscar plays like every instrument under the sun. Like, it's not. It's like not even funny. I just don't understand. But normally, you pay sax in band don't you for like the band that we go to but, yeah but my main instrument normally knows it it's the oboe 
<laughs> Bilbo is such a hard instrument to play, like, oh my word. But Oscar and I, we just like pull jibs across the like space at each other. We're just always putting a smile on each other's face. And it's actually so, so wholesome. It really, really is just like having a little giggle, just in band and stuff. And yeah, thank you so much for being on this podcast. And if That's ever great. you want to be on another episode or what have you, we'll organize another one love to be in on another episode with you honestly it's been it's been such a great experience sat here at my desk speaking to you especially knowing that i'm going to be on a podcast so thank you for, for fulfilling that for me thank you very much and also i'm actually gonna bring this up so we're recording this guys on the 14th of april and as of today we've had 350 streams of tader's life so yes. well done taylor <laughs> and it wouldn't have been possible without my lovely guests so hopefully we're just going to build it up and up and up now and i'm super duper excited for this journey that we've all started together so thank you so much oscar thank you so much Charlie. So thank you for spreading this awareness for people like honestly you're, you're doing brilliantly Thank you so much. Anyways, we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. See you guys.